Hey guys, um, I know we took longer than anticipated to release episode 15. Things have been more than a little crazy for everyone involved. Um, it's hard to get into. My father has a disease called dementia with Louis bodies. Um, the way it was explained to me is it essentially presents as a mixture of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, and it's been getting worse. Um, and the fallout from that has taken away a lot of my ability to give myself free time, and on top of that, I've been driving around a lot more, which has given me a lot of time to listen to podcasts, but not a lot of time to record them. Um, I'm doing my best, but there's going to be some delays. Um, though, since this is the end of season one, there will be a fairly long hiatus, which will give me time to have much more of a backlog for season two. Uh, on positive notes, one of the other reasons we've been late is that Katie, uh, who plays Cecilia, has gotten engaged. Um, her and her um, fiancé are so cute together, and they're going to have a blast. Um, I'm really excited for them, but that has cut into her ability to plan her own schedule because things are very understandably, uh, taking a backseat to the engagement. Um, so congratulations to her, but it has meant a bit of a delay in planning. Um, Kian has finals. Kimbra is getting slammed at work. Um, it's going to be a very good thing when we get a bit of a buffer for season two. Uh, thank you for your patience, though. I know it was an extra week, and I didn't release bonus content like it has been my habit to do so. Um, so again, thank you for your patience, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Beyond the finite borders of our reality, there is a boundless multiverse of possibilities. Endless worlds of magic and adventure, spinning through an infinite cosmos of Aether. Each facet of the multiverse is a revelation of the beauty of infinite possibility. Few people are even aware that there is anything beyond the borders of everything they have ever known. But there are those precious few with the ability to move across the multiverse. Planeswalkers. One in a million is born with the spark to become a planeswalker. Even fewer reach their potential, and fewer still are strong enough to survive the journey, putting them in an elite and powerful group of friends. 
and enemies. Welcome to Plane Shift, a live play D&D podcast where we follow the adventures of four planeswalkers, awakened to their power and taking the first steps in establishing themselves in the multiverse, seeking out new worlds and new opportunities, and discovering what this new, boundless freedom could mean. Hi, I'm Will. I'm the show's producer, and I play Llewellyn Coyden, the half-dryad swashbuckler. Hello, I'm Kimbra, and I play Nymphia of the Vervain, the elvish druid. Hey there, I'm Katie, and I'm playing Cecilia Crane, the human sorcerer. Hi, I'm Kian. I'll be playing Irshaya Jalan, the Aetherborn Warlock. Hi, I'm Dan. I'll be playing the Dungeon Master. Here's what happened last time on Plane Shift. Recently, when I was on Ravtica, I was robbed, let's say, of a relatively precious artifact, and I am looking for a little bit of assistance getting it back. It is my copy of a Marari. That demiplane was almost entirely made up of red mana. It, it was red mana incarnate, and you threw something into it that grows off of gorging on mana. Congratulations, Ishaya. <laughs> Uh, we could also focus on trying to find Redaxwent, retrieve the Marari, and, or we can go look for a way to deal with a Fida Hydra that is now taking over one of my rooms. He draws the Sword of War and Peace. All right. Like, All right. Uh, you're pulling out of the chief for the first time? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to need you to make a wisdom saving throw really quick. All right. Oh, I critically failed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. So you hear what is normally two voices, but this time they're speaking both your voice, and they're speaking this loud, violent call of Plano favorites, everything dies. You realize, of course, that this means war. Now let's begin. As you slowly fade into existence in a room that is becoming surprisingly familiar, you find it slightly less familiar than before. The large pompous couches with a variety of throw pillows are replaced moderately with nicer ones. A small coffee table sits out in front of you. What looks like a kettle with a blue flame beneath it sitting beneath it and several cups around. Around you the walls are lined with this thick red velvet carpeting. It looks almost like a very poor attempt to fit blinds onto a room without them. In the back behind you, as Nemox slowly appears, a booming voice reaches over. Friends! Behind you is a fully finished alabaster gargoyle. He stands perched at the entranceway to the door that you know leads into the rest of the compound. A massive, toothy smile gleams at you. Although he seems unwilling to move from his perch, he's very excited to see you, and his wings have begun to flap very slowly, creating a small gust of wind. Ah, I see the mayor have been busy. Oh, oh you say have. Oh, big fella. Been a while. New room. Like it better. <laughs> have tail! <laughs> I really like him. I'm glad to see you on your feet, friend. Thank you. New feet, too. Like them. So? Mm, I don't really have anywhere to go from here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, 
Right. Uh, now that everyone's here, I think it might be best to find a more comfortable spot. If you join me in my study, I'll begin to explain everything. Why I'm here, how I got here, uh, about my home plane. Right. Before that, though, he pulls out a silver sphere that he had previously had been a sword and now contains what you believe to be an unignited spark to a planeswalker. A small tap onto one of the walls reveals a hidden door. A mirror slides out from behind it, grabs it with a three-fingered hand, and disappears just as quickly as he came. Uh, hold on. <laughs> I don't want to keep track of that thing. I am. Don't worry. It's going right down to the vault. It, it'll be there for a little while. The tunnels that run around, they big enough for only mirror, filled with mirror, and it's the safest place I can have it right now. Alright. So as you trot down the hall to the room that Nemok has declared as his study, you realize there are a set of extra doors here as well. Where previously there were only the four, now there are six. Mm-hmm. Uh, a quick turn, and Nemok opens the door, pressing his hand directly to where the archstone would be before the door itself slides open. Right. Uh, anybody want anything? Uh, tea? Something like that. Uh, I'd eat, but I prefer not to in my study. Coffee, please. But of course. I'll see what whoever wants is a conversation about what we're planning to do next. Exactly. Why we're trying to get situated here. It's, it will probably be quite a long one, so I can assume. As uh, you each come in, taking a seat, table's long and wide. It's squared to a point, but a relatively interesting finish on the wood. The grains almost seem to swirl in a pattern that everyone but Ashayak really can't recognize. Ashaya looks Kaladesh in origin. This looks like something I'd see on my home plane. It, it was. It came from there. And I saw it, or want it, so to speak. And it came with me. Which reminds me, I'll probably need to go pick up my submission to the Inventor's Fair. <sighs> I'd rather not come back there at this point. I'm not going to even ask Nemok. I'm going to try to grab this thing. <laughs> the table? Yep. Nice. It is... It's like, I'm just making sure that it's like something familiar to me. And you, as you grab, as you sit in front of it, holding on close, the familiar sign of this table and the very trace amounts of through that were left in it itself uh, seem to almost speak to you of a comfort. Hmm. Amir crouches in through a doorway, carrying a large pot and several cups. Uh, the thick scent of coffee kind of wafers away from it. So, now that we're all here... You probably want to know why I just ripped the spark out of someone. Yeah, that yeah. Nice. yeah, that was kind yeah. of a dick move. Where'd you get that idea from? <laughs> well, you kind of got into the. You kind of explained a bit of it, but we need to get into this now. Right. So, as much as I tried, I was looking for a solution to be able to move my people. They would refer to my people as the Nurok. It's simply a category more, more blue mana aligned. There were also the uh, the, the, the full shock. Uh, they were more red aligned. Slovak there. Forest dwellers, but not like elves. They're different kinds. They try to live in harmony with nature at the same time that they're also excellent hunters. It's, it's rather difficult. They're solitary. I, I won't get into that at the moment. But all of them, they they're trapped on a changing and hostile world where an enemy that can take your closest friend, your parents even, and turn them against you 
and into a horrible abomination. I want to get them free from there. There's a terror called Phyrexia, and it has come to take everything I care about from me. I've been working ever since I found this place on a way to get them here. I spoke a little bit about the possibility of a ship. Uh, this is true, it's the most effective way. Uh, it's the only true way. If you know more so about my collection, you might have wondered why I can't just bring them that way. To be precise, there is a very defining reason for that. Uh, the bubbles, I guess you refer to them as, that I can make. I've got two kinds of different spells based off of research that I was doing before the Phyrexians came on my world. An ancient entity known as the Memnarch, abusive golem, originally formed from another version of the Mirari itself, created something called Solnets. They're what brought a lot of the founding races to my home plane, but it did so by copying a pattern off of other worlds and then replicating that with mana. Something very easy for the Memnarch to do. It was problematic though, as once these soul webs, as they were called, were shattered, it sent everything home. I was working to try and figure out a way to recreate that before everything got turned on my head. And as you can see, I have. It's split into two types. I call them copy and cut. Cut can only be used on inorganic materials. Things like this table, for instance, I couldn't bring back with me. It would come back as largely the base carbons that would make this up. The other version, copy, although it doesn't actually remove something from the plane, keeps a, a mana image, so to speak, of it, which I can then use to recreate it. And although I could drag people that I've known off of my home plane this way, it's not really them. It's a copy. They'll be still in peril. I've been looking for everything. I even went to Dominaria to try and find any hope of being able to recreate something called... It may seem bizarre. It was called the Weatherlight. It was another ship that was able to travel between worlds, bring non-planeswalkers. Phyrexians, from what I can tell, also had the technology, but I prefer to lean away from their advancement. The reason that I hit a stone wall was because, from what I can tell in the research and other documents that I found, uh, the most simplistic way to create an engine that can breach the edge of a plane and traverse through the blind eternities was with the planeswalker spark and i tried several times unsuccessfully to use my own i want something's bound to you like that ignited and become part of your being it is not so easily severed uh, thus this was a golden opportunity when i found one that hadn't ignited yet as it could be extracted i suppose you're wondering more so about why I would do this. Uh, in part, the spark is very rare. Uh, more so, more or less so, does it ever ignite. All of you were basically a one in a billion chance of happening of being able to walk here. Uh, as unique as that sounds, it's also become problematic for finding ones beforehand. My goal is to create a ship capable of traveling between planes, rescuing my people, and building them a new world in here. Uh, you may have noticed that there were five uh, demi-planes, each of them devoted to one color of mana. Uh, their 
more so like a massive battery for me. My hope, if all goes well, after I've brought my people, is to, in effect, burn them off. Uh, to create a sixth demiplane. One that uses all five colors. And I'm hoping that might be able to create a safe haven for them to live in peace. Or well, we imagine that uh, joined monster that you've got in the red or the mountain plane would be a bit of a complication for that. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. As I'm afraid of what would happen if I were to try and draw mana from that one at this particular moment. Uh, it would either come out perfectly fine, or it could just be all hydras. I'm not entirely certain. <laughs> I, I've never had this particular problem with it before. <laughs> everybody, yeah, I was going to say, everyone glares at our child. Which child just looks away sheepishly. Just like, like what? <laughs> Which reminds me, Ishaya, uh, if I could speak to you later, I have something that may help a little bit with this chaotic nature you've been going through. I swear it wasn't me. I know it wasn't it you. It was. We... Watched you do it. <laughs> you took the pot up right onto the lip of it and then just went, okay. I thought I was getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, in all fairness, I can kind of get why, but you did still do it. He, he didn't know. It's all right. He was not in a fully stable state of mind, but we'll cover that in a I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've been drinking... Remember that really expensive bottle of wine that I got a long time ago? Oh, yes. All right, I'm finally breaking it out, because I knew that you were going to be talking for a long time, so I've just been drinking. <laughs> straight from the bottle? Yeah, straight from the bottle, yes. For the first sip, yes. From the second sip, Amir shows up with a rather nice wine glass for you. I shoot him off. It's not worth it. <laughs> he leaves just as quickly as he appeared. Right. Were there any questions? I have some documentation uh, books that I found gestures to something on the wall and a set of three books seem to float off of it and set themselves under the table each flipping open to what looks like different components one of them more like an engine uh, another one these massive sails uh, of some sort and the last one just looks like a outline really of a sleek schooner so to speak so it sounds like to me that when you uh, created your little cage to catch any wayward planeswalkers coming around, it sounds like you only really wanted to catch a planeswalker to take their spark for your ship. The you were saying it wouldn't work if it already happened. Exactly. You need someone before they could have gone here. Okay. All in all, part of it was part security measure. Uh, another one was hoping to encounter allies, and I know trapping allies in a small cave probably not the best of ideas. If <laughs> not the best first what? impression, yeah. <laughs> I have been. It's been a long time since I've had this great deal of social interaction with different people. I'll be entirely honest. <laughs> you can. Enough. I am absolutely shocked by you... that. Wow! <laughs> Cannot believe that whatsoever. You you could just take the look of the place the first time you came here and how it looks now. It's rather different, is it not? The there are a lot of pillows everywhere. Yeah, right? there are lots of pillows. The mirror like making them. It's not my fault. Did you tell them to stop ever? I did! <laughs> they just want to make pillows. Didn't they make some kind of pillow fort? Like a, a, I think a so. fort? Yeah, they did. They made a fort out of the pillows. <laughs> They're, you don't even want to see their level anymore. Good lord. Well, here's my question for you. Of course. This whole bit with the Mirari, does that even really matter? Yes, as a matter of fact. It's a crucial component. I'll need it 
one, to manipulate some of the mana and to form the metal for the creation of the ship. But that I can do on my own without it. The issue is I will need the Mirari if I wish to create the sixth demiplane for my people to live on. I originally decided to try and keep it someplace safe, but as you know, there's no place quite like home for these things. Dax really gave that example. Hmm. I'll need to get it eventually, but for the moment it can wait. The safety of my people takes priority there. Were there any other questions, um, particularly about this? How would you ignite that spark that you just got? It wouldn't exactly be ignited, more like manipulated. Uh, if, from what I can understand, these are like using a couple of different materials, some from multiple different planes, they each interact uniquely with the essence of a spark. I have some of them already on hand, like dark steel, but quite a n number of listed things first. Uh, but what they can do is not manipulate or ignite the spark, but to stretch it, so to speak. So it can create a canvas over an object, like the boat that I plan to build. Mm. Uh, and that should allow me to sail between planes. Uh, assuming I have a company crew, but all in all, it will be quite the undertaking. I hope this isn't too forward, but I'd appreciate it if I could get all of your help with it. If I can complete this, if I can get my people to safety, uh, what becomes of the ship, or of anything else that you would want, it's yours. Well, my people... <laughs> my people have already been lost. I guess the best thing I can do is prevent it from happening again. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I asked for was a new ship, so... It sounds like a good <laughs> <laughs> What a coincidence. Right. What do you know? It was quite a coincidence. I was not intending for that, but nonetheless, our goals align. I have nothing better to do. I'm still looking for something myself, which does not concern any of you. So I'll tag along for the time being. Until which I get is not again. evil in any way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. Ishaya? Well, I suppose so. I've got plenty of time, almost an entire uh, eternity to spend, so why not? Right. That's <laughs> it? Only almost an eternity? How, how is that working out for you? I know that Aetherborn don't tend to live very long, more beyond two years, but ever since you become a planeswalker, you're looking at the opportunity to potentially live forever. Well, every time I've uh, walked, or planeswalked so far, I've refreshed my lifespan from the two years that it was originally to ten years and more. So I feel like I could just ride this for the rest of Oblivion. <laughs> but I do have other plans that I'm trying to uh, get through, but we, we can talk about that later. It's not important right now. Let's get your people ready and safe. Very well. I can most certainly do that. I'm glad all of you have agreed to help me on this. It's become rather difficult. If you wouldn't mind, I do have something I'd like to show all of you. Uh, it's on one of the lower floors. I know that you've only been to the second one. Uh, if you come with me. And he starts to get up, uh, directing his hand to the door. I'm bringing my alcohol with me. Where he murders us all. I'm bringing my alcohol with me, just know that. There's a second ingredient. Activated sparks. Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> You don't think he would have already used his own? Yeah, but then he wouldn't have it anymore. All right. 
So as uh, he kind of ushers you down the hallway back to uh, the room where there were quite a couple of demiplanes, one of them very obviously sealed off with uh, what almost looks like several warning signs <laughs> plastered over it uh, and a crude picture of a potted plant turned hydra. Uh, and also a picture of Irshaya with a big like red X through it. <laughs> like, don't allow this guy in. Like a stupid expression on his face. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody, like one of the mirror wrote, Durr. <laughs> I like to think that Archea still thinks he looks beautiful in it. <laughs> He's like, I look so good in that. I don't know about this X on my face, but everything about this is fabulous. <laughs> As he kind of ushers you to uh, what before was a... Uh, pool of liquid metal but you've grown to realize is simply a way to walk between the different floors of this place uh he sets his hand on it before it takes form of what almost seems to be a staircase i'll lead the way if you don't mind his fingers sort of lighting up in a deep blue light we're going to be visiting where the mirror live for a moment this is good news and i'd like to tell him in person they can throw a parade. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, they've done that four times since you've taught them. No. <laughs> no. They've just been throwing a book to parades. It's for lunchtime. <laughs> parade. <laughs> it's been what two days? <laughs> they have their own like pillow fort city down there, <laughs> where they march through the streets. Weekly parades. <laughs> Pillow streets. Please don't ruin this any more than it already could As you start to descend down these stairs, the blue light emanating from Mimok's hand lights the way before something almost akin to the uh, light at the end of the tunnel briefly just flashes over and what was originally dark, you now see open a large, seemingly endless plane of metal Something's moving down below. Anybody who wants to can roll perception really quick. I love that. Why not? Why not? Yes. Three. Eighteen. Okay. Seven. Alright, so not a Shia. <laughs> Where's my perception? There it is. <laughs> Sixteen. <laughs> so I forgot where it was. So, everybody but your Shia, as you kind of glance down, you realize... At first, it almost looked like some kind of metal water, but once you take a second, that's not water. Those are mirror. There are hundreds, not millions of mirror down there. They, almost in an industrious way, seem to be crawling over each other in some ways. A little bit closer to the horizon, some smaller things seem to stand out uh, amongst this sea of mirror. A massive, it almost looks like a borehole with huge metal spikes sticking up. A deep, glowing energy seems to radiate from several what look like miniature housing complexes, roads, streets, a large pile of pillows. <laughs> How large? Just a pyramid of them. <clears throat> As you descend a little bit further, there's a wide metal platform that Nemax steps out onto. Bars seem to come up from the sides, almost making it more of a safety rail than anything else. And he speaks in a familiar but almost overbearing tone. My friends, the first part is finished. The most difficult component to acquire is here. Soon enough, we will be able to complete the ship. And with that, free our people. An almost awkward sounding metal upon metal slams in a wave crashing at you. The mirror are clapping the very poorly. Oh, 
waves after waves of them. Yes. Imagine them all going, yay! <laughs> They're not really big speakers. Oh. Do they have mouths? Oh, can they some do. Talk? Oh, some, some do. Some do. The more advanced ones do. Uh, and this is also, like, when we find out he's crazy. Like, he's just giving an announcement to his stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it! And he just, like, looks at them and they don't do anything. He's like, yay, yes, congratulations to me! He, like, pokes when it's just like... <laughs> anyway. Right, okay. <clears throat> Mima kind of turns. So, I should point out, this is some of the resources at my disposal. They're rather industrious, as you've seen. And they keep throwing praise. I'd like to personally thank you for that one. You're welcome. He was being very sarcastic, <laughs> but... Okay. Uh, yes, so... The mirror themselves are a product of Mirrodin. When I first arrived here, I had to make some by hand, but since then they've simply made more of themselves by assembling them out of spare components. If need be, we could have an army. That's just something to keep in mind. If ever necessary, we are ready. Right, that probably sounded very awkward for everyone who just heard me explain the details of <laughs> me wanting to free my people. Okay, moving on. Uh, were there any questions about the mirror in particular? Because I know you really haven't got to ask anything about them. Are they intelligent? Highly so, actually. They're more... It depends. A single mirror is alright, maybe about as intelligent as your average goblin, but several mirror can be vastly intelligent. They interlink and share knowledge. A collective such as this... Could you tell the mirror to make a smarter mirror? <laughs> they have! Can you tell that mirror to make smarter mirror? And just keep going and going. He refused. Mere singularity. Yeah. <laughs> he refused. He wanted to be the smartest. Oh. And his eyes glue red. That's very smart. If you knew where so mirror can be silk on the here. I'm the mirror. <laughs> the term mirrorneta. Oh my oh god. My god. <laughs> no. Rolls eyes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Alright. We're done with mere jokes. <laughs> We're never gonna be done with mere jokes. There just are myriad of them. Oh my god. <laughs> it's almost like it's mere coincidence. Mm. Oh my god, stop. Alright, moving on. <laughs> yes, there have been several. In fact, there are a couple. I refer to them as uh, hierarchs, I guess. They sort of stabilize them on the mere society, but as for why they listen to me, uh, I'm their creator. We have common goals, and as intelligent as they are, they're industrious, but no aspirations. Everything they could want to do or make, they can. So why do anything? They look towards a goal, and I'm able to provide them with one. A ship may be a large undertaking, but for the mirror, it'll be a life worth living, just to be a part of it. How long do they live? Well, they're constructs. They can live as long as they want to. Why would they want to stop living? If you don't have a purpose, why would you want to live? It's awkward to describe, but ever since interactions with other, well, with you, and other things on other planes where I've had them, they grow in a sense. I hope by the end of this, they might be able to form their own society, and I can let them be. Whatever that may evolve into, I'm not entirely certain, but for the moment, I'm just glad to have them. Right. I thank all of you for coming with me for this. It was something that I've wanted to show off for a while now. And now that they're all 
by the way, in the background, they're still just synchronized. <laughs> they're all almost like children to me, and I'm proud of that. Uh, so, while we have a moment, uh, was there anything any of you needed? Uh, for two of you in particular, I know that I need to do something about a specific sword. I wanted to know the sword of war and peace. Yes. I- <laughs> You this said thing. it can be controlled. <laughs> it can. It will take some time. If it's alright with you, I'd like to put it into a sheath that can properly contain it. Something that possibly even you wouldn't be able to draw it from. That way it can stay close and attuned to you properly so that you don't have to fight a temptation for either war or peace whenever you draw it. Good. Do it. Most certainly. I'll see if I can find a replacement. Cutlass, you called it? In the meantime. All right. Uh, Ishaya, I I believe you still do have it, and if I can understand how you properly work, (laughs) it shouldn't be too much of an issue for you at the moment. But I will... I'll have to speak with you again later. There's something important I'd like to discuss. Okay. Uh, Right. Uh, Cecilia, I... No, the book that you were looking at uh, may seem a little overwhelming at times, but if you have a moment, there's something I'd like to talk about. It. And Nymphia, I know that you're always looking for other knowledge, so please do know that uh, so long as you're here, my library is free for your use. Uh, you were sitting in it earlier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nymphia's been, like, low-key glancing over at Cecilia's wine, like, trying to, like get the courage to ask her for some, but, like, knows she's gonna say no, so she's not. I'm, I'm kind of picturing, like, Nymphia with just a giant novelty straw, just, like... <laughs> just, like, stretching it out. Like, all the circles and everything. She looks the other way, and I'm like... <laughs> this straw is exceptionally crazy. <laughs> it goes around her eyes and everything. <laughs> I like to think that I've noticed that she's looking, and at one point I really hope that, that we lock eyes. So. <laughs> you lock eyes and then just keep yeah, drinking. Yeah, just literally like, drain the drink bottle. it right in front of her. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, still, for the moment, you probably would like to get a little bit of rest. I know that, especially for late bloomers, planeswalking could take quite a bit out of you. Actually, Shy, if you don't mind, would you come with me for a moment? Okay. And he starts to get his hand lights up, takes his first step up the stairs. If you would be so kind. Ooh, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so as you ascend the stairs again, the room above that you've always come through, especially get to lower levels, opens up again. Right. Ishai, if you'd come with me, I'd like to speak with you in, I guess the dining room would be best. All right, let's go. Thank what is you. this about? Uh, you, in particular. Okay. What about me? I know I'm great, but... <laughs> you you are. But you also happen to be harboring something unusual. You have, uh, well, two souls, so to speak. You have yourself, Ishaya, and you have your friend. Uh, what, what was his name again? Her name is Jalan. Hers. My apologies. Jalan. She was the person you got the spark from. Yes. Uh, how did you figure this out? Uh, so to speak, it's... You radiate Aether out of you. Mm-hmm. In some ways, this also can be read, and the details, more parts about yourself, can through, like, uh, very emotional things. Your 
memories, so to speak, that are tied to uh, tight emotional things. The experiences with your close friend uh, and the ignition of your spark in particular. Uh, I was able to see all of them just by being in a close proximity. I apologize if this seems a little informal to admit this, but you've lived quite a good life so far. I'd say so, yes. But there is one thing that I'm worried about. You have this chaotic nature about you, as we saw evidence with dropping a phytohydra into a massive volcano with nothing but red mana, but... I didn't know it was a phytohydra. I didn't even know it was a hydra. You were told or... several times to stop, and I understand that you're not entirely together. Again, two entities fighting for control of the same body. I'd like to present a solution. Okay. I know that it may seem a little forward for this, but I have a device which can ensnare a soul, bind it to it. It wouldn't ever go anywhere. It would still be connected to a part of you, but what it can do is separate the two consciousnesses. You'd be able to talk with her as much as you wanted to, uh, and you'd still maintain her power and her spark and all of that, but it would allow you to make rational decisions as Ishaya, without the compulsive nature of two different beings entirely clashing for superiority. I know this may be a tough pill to swallow at first with the idea of this, but it would be like being able to travel the multiverse with your friend, separate again, but at the same time uh, connected in ways that are almost unfathomable. Would it be alright if we were to sever the several consciousnesses that you hold? You would be a Shia, fully, no compulsive nature. It's your decision, but I feel, especially for your longevity, as you so desired, might be best. Hmm. I'll have to think about it. Do you know what sort of side effects may come with it? Well, uh, there shouldn't be too much. For the most part, you'd be able to get an opinion from your friend again, talk with them, share experiences. They'd get and share your sensory information from around there. So everything you could see, smell, touch. The other things, the device itself could grant a couple of different powers. For one, it would give you some minor proficiencies. You'd gain a little bit of knowledge about how to use certain weapons and such, but that's very minor. It's an older device, something that I came across, but I haven't really had a use for yet. There are very few things that go unnamed, and this one seems to remain uh, unimprinted with something. If the lore behind it was correct, it was referred to as a hex blade. You may gain some other minor magical powers, but as far as that goes, it's what the Hexblade and your friend would be tied to you as. Hmm. As far as side effects, that's about all I can describe. Well, I have been trying to give Jalan... I haven't told anyone this, but I would, I would like to give her a body in the future. Would this enable... Would it be okay if I inserted her spirit or consciousness into this Hexblade, whatever it may be? It's not a hex blade, so to speak. It's more of a hex device. It's hex device. You'll see it. It looks kind of like a lantern, but okay. Uh, <clears throat> and should a a better host or body of some sort come along, I can just retract it and put that in the new body. I'm not entirely certain about retracting, but you could potentially build a new body around it. Hmm. It would have to stay with you, and I assume it would be as much part of you as your own hand is. But uh, as for what all of it could be. We'll have to see. For the moment, I think this is the first step in getting a body for your friend and for getting the two of you uh, unentwined, so to speak. 
<clears throat> I'll give you some mm. time to think about it. Uh, if you'd excuse me. I'll next. do it. <laughs> Very well. I'll need a little bit of time to prepare for it. Okay. I have uh, some other small things I need to address first. All right. Will that be all? Anything else you need from me? Other than for you to not take any dangerous animals into my minor demi planes? Yes. To be fair, that's not an animal. It was a plant. <laughs> it's a plant. Animal. It was a plant that talks, and that freaked me out. Okay. <laughs> I can understand this, but plants don't normally talk. <laughs> Okay, plant, animal. No, there's the talk, I understand. Just for the moment, try to stay out of trouble. I'll have to visit the vaults. Right, uh, the sword. The sword of war and peace. I know right now you can hold it without any consequences because there are technically two entities holding it, mm-hmm. which is more than enough to overcome its problematic properties. Uh, could I get that? Mm. <laughs> I'd like to give it back to someone who probably would murder just about anyone who was holding it. I'm not sure how collected he is right now, but... For the moment, getting it back to him sooner than later seems to be the best opinion. He seems to be okay without it, though. <laughs> he hasn't murdered anyone yet. I'm worried that there might be some dire actions. And if he tries to murder people, I have the sword, so what, what can he do? This kind of echoing voice, a whisper in the back of your mind, just, Vishaya, just let it go. We don't need it. All right, Elsa. And then gives it away. <laughs> Elsa. Elsa. Let it go. No! <laughs> oh. no! <laughs> and almost as if a weight has been lifted off of you, almost an invisible force lifts and carries the blade ever so slightly away. Nemox's hand kind of uh, stretched out in a way. All right, I'll need to build something to secure this. I thank you, Ashaya. Take all of the time you need to prepare. And he leaves the room. So, uh, what is everybody else up to at the moment? Uh, I'm in the library. I am sitting... over the ship. The designs for the ship? Yeah. That would also be in the library then. Okay. I'm sitting in the library directly across from her drinking that bottle of <laughs> Are you looking... Are you it's looking... empty. Just staring her down. I'm just pretending to drink out of it. <laughs> are you looking through Life's a Lich? I'm pretending to. I'm just kind of like absentmindedly. Instead, she's like watching my anguish from the library. <laughs> All right. Uh, Only you... because you refuse to ask. That's my. I'm just like, haha, she's too scared to ask. <laughs> Flips page. <laughs> All right. Uh, a short while later, Nimak uh, strides into the library. He steps over to the table. This massive. It almost was like a fold out map of a full design for a schooner. Just in basic, some minor details that you know that Nimak knows what they are. I have a present for you. Alrighty. The Sword of War and Peace is bound in this thick, dark metal. It seems to wrap around the blade itself and over part of the hilt, but enough so that you could still hold the hilt if you need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, This strange, almost yellow wisp wraps around it before disappearing just as quickly as it did. Wrapped in dark steel. You probably won't be able to draw it for quite a while, but when the blade balances itself, you shouldn't have any problems whatsoever. I'd suggest keeping it on you, but I wouldn't try to hit anything with it. Again, it would be like hitting something with a rock or metal pole. Not really well, sure. Well, I mean, that, that can usually be pretty effective. Or... <laughs> yes, yes, it could be. 
in the moment. Depends on how hard you're hitting it. Just a regular metal pole, not yeah, a magical uh, metal pole. <laughs> well, I still hurt like a son of a bitch. Isn't shillelagh just like creating a metal or a wooden yeah, stick? It's, it's better, it's, than, that's it's better just, than my cantrip. It's essentially just making a regular stick harder. Nice. Hey. What? Alright. This heavy binding wrapped around the Sword of War and Peace. You can pretty obviously tell it's not going to be going anywhere. I'll look into getting you suitable minor replacement, at least until you can use this. Uh, probably something with dark steel. I hope you'll be alright. It is rather heavy. Uh, he kind of hefts the weight. It is It is almost four times what the weight of the Sword of War and Peace was before. It is very heavy, but for some reason you can tell just by holding this that Whatever this is wrapped in will fully contain the effects of the Sword of War and Peace, allowing you to become more attuned to it without any of the dangers of having to draw it. It'll do for now. I hope so. Uh, right. Looking over the plans for the ship, aren't we? Yeah. Trying to get a feel for the layout. What kind of... Would this be a role of just, like... I was originally going to say... This would be a uh, just straight-up wisdom, uh, simply because of the amount of time that you've spent on a ship. Uh, you know the layout, what things need, and what improvements this might need. Uh, maybe the galley's a little bit too small. Uh, perhaps there's some issues with the way that things are lined up. You could expand it maybe a couple of feet in one direction just to make it easier for things to be lined out. Uh, you've thought about cannons, even though there are no cannons on the ship itself. Could always use cannons. I'm, I'm kind of picturing it. Do you not poop? There are no bathrooms on this design at all. <laughs> what? There needs to be at least one. <laughs> Minimal. <laughs> I see here you have a poop deck. That's not the kind of poop we're that talking about. Different. <laughs> Don't poop on those. <laughs> Wait. It will be very cross with you. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not what those are for? No. no. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, you, ma'am, you're going to need to get off the boat, please. <laughs> All right, but so uh, you can do uh, straight wisdom, but I'd say with advantage. Uh, straight wisdom is 18. Uh, with advantage, still 18. Okay. That's, you recognize a couple of minor flaws in this. You've spent enough time around ships, and on ships in particular, that most of these are as out of order as they can seem. Uh, the ship design looks sound, but you have room to fit an extra deck. This empty space right here could be put as a small uh, hidden stash or a cargo hold. The one particular room that originally thought was uh, more for storage, but appears to just be a massive dining room, could be shortened into something a lot smaller. The crew accompaniment uh, looks like it would need about eight to ten people, but there are only enough bunks for six. There's some changes that can be made. Some rather... He, he kind of takes a, a pen, he starts making notations on the, on the schematics. Well, look at this. You, you've got it set up for entirely too many people than your ship is designed to handle. You can either shift this over, you could change some of this cargo space into crew quarters, or you could sort... So he starts breaking down, like, well, here's all the improvements he's made. Okay. But one other thing you notice... It has no weapons. So is this intended to be unarmed? I'm not entirely certain. I suppose it would be useful to have some sort of firepower, but for the most part I've just been 
entirely focused on getting a ship up and running that I haven't thought about the idea of farming it. Lord, you're going up against I mean, the way you described it, monsters. Very much so, yes. And do you think they're just going to let you take however many people you want? I see your point. Yeah. Uh, most of the times when ships are designed, they aren't, they aren't really designed with magical means in mind. Uh, at least in my experiences, it's it's too it's not reliable enough. They either have a ballista batteries or lines of cannon, but cannon have their own problems, especially if you're dealing with a lot of fire. You, you need to have a powder house and one spark and you're out of ship. We have ballista, a Shia. Well, yeah, <laughs> so we'd be out of ship very quickly. Uh, ballista would probably be your safest bet. It's not as heavy, but don't have quite the same amount of power behind them. I'll work on that. I'll see what I can draw up. Right. If anything, the collective knowledge from different artifacts across different planes, I might be able to rig up something useful uh, for these. I did never thought about having to actually fight the Phyrexians as I'm rescuing people. <laughs> Most of the time, when we had to fight them, it was rather simple, you know? Just stab them with a blade that expands, never creating barrier of aether, and they rip themselves apart. But uh, it's not going to be very useful on these, especially because of how difficult those blades are to manufacture. He continues to mumble for a moment before right, he right, realizes right. you're just kind of nodding along. He's just... He's just He's just sketching on, like, at, at a certain point he's like, alright, now I'll just let him talk, and he just, he's just been sketching on the schematics. Uh, the most important part you may have noticed uh, over here, near the rear, the engine, so to speak, the thing that'll propel it, you might notice it's a little blank. I have the schematics here. I will need to get some different resources, uh, especially for the ship and hull. I'll need erythium, uh, uh, serenite crystals, uh, nia lumber. Uh, let's see, I'll also need some these, uh, what are they called again? Uh, pure silver, but it's a compound normally found in crystalline. You're not listening to anything I'm saying. Hmm? No. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I will need to go to different. We'll need to go to different planes to get things. I can work what I can to put this thing together, but uh, for the most part, I will need people to get the materials. If, it sounds other, like you already have a fairly robust trading network. Yes and no. Some planes, other planes, it's going to be more difficult. Like, tracking down Ikorium is going to be uh, a major pain in the ass. I'm not exactly welcome in that world anymore. Mm. And, nor any humans, but that's entirely separate. Well, I'm not human. That's good. Uh, but, unfortunately, there are any gestures over to uh, Cecilia. There is one person who is, so that's its own issue. Hey, Will again. Thank you all for joining us at the end of Season 1. Um, we're super excited to see what's coming next. We're working on a few things over the break, but mostly we're going to be working on having a backlog of content. We've got a few cool ideas for Season 2. You should be starting to see more canon planeswalkers from the Magic the Gathering storyline and we are going to be bringing in some new actors to play canon characters which I, I'm excited about. We are going to be working on recording prequel episodes. Um, these are going to be smaller series, um, probably about the same length, um, where we will be using different systems to play through our characters backstories. Uh, it's a cool idea, I'm excited about it, and hopefully I can manage to get that together over the summer. Um, like I mentioned, we are going to be on hiatus until Season 2, 
that hiatus will be running through to about um, September. We're planning to release either late August or early September the first episode of season two. Um, so look forward to that. Be excited. We might have some bonus content released in the interim. Like I mentioned, we're going to be working on prequel series, but we might also just be recording some other stuff just for fun and to make sure that we stick with some semblance of a schedule. So you'll be seeing that on our podcast. But in the meantime, it's been so great to have you all with us while we've been developing this thing. And we hope you stay with us through season two while we figure out all of the various stuff that's been hitting us. Hey, you guys have been amazing. I'm so grateful to each and every one of you that have stuck with us this long. And uh, uh, words just can't express it. I'm, I'm so thankful. We've, we've almost reached 2,000 downloads. Um, looking at our statistics, we have about anywhere between 20 and 50 regular listeners. <laughs> and that's... Oh, that's... It's just amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful to all of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, another thing I'm going to be working on is getting back into developing an origin set for Season 1 and making some custom magic cards. So that should be cool, but I am rambling. I can tell that now. So I'm just going to stop recording this bit and get on to recording recommendations. I'm Ray, and I'm the host for Tales from the Dark Dragon's Inn, an unscripted audio drama podcast featuring a diverse group of folk driven by tabletop role-playing games. Join the Scales of Justice as they transform themselves from simple travelling folk into finely honed adventurers. Visit tftddi.co.uk where you can immediately subscribe through your service of preference to listen to our show. You can also find us on iTunes by searching under podcasts for The Dark Dragon's Inn. And on Twitter, at Dark Dragons Inn. We hope that you can join us, and until then, well, we'll see you on the road. Okay, everyone, uh, is giving the recommendations today, again, because uh, I have the microphone, so yeah. Um... I'm going to recommend today three things that are very close to the hearts of everyone at Plane Shift Cast. Uh, alcohol. We enjoy it. It is good tasting, good for you, maybe not, but eh. Uh, I'm going to recommend three different small um, brewers um, out that we all enjoy and they're small enough that you probably haven't heard of them, but I absolutely adore what they produce. Uh, anytime I'm able to, I try to pick up some of their things. Uh, the first is Brown's Brewery. They're located in upstate New York. Uh, they don't have a massive distribution network, but if you are in that area, um, upstate New York, Vermont, uh, probably Boston, or probably Massachusetts as well, look them up their beer is 
Honestly, it's some of the best I've ever tasted. It's up there with the larger small scale or the larger independent brewers. It is delicious. If you can ever make it to their brewery, it's out in Hoosick Falls. It's this beautiful location. Uh, They also have a beer yard in York, New York. So uh, if you can check them out, I'd absolutely recommend it. Uh, The next is Colony Meadery. They are out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, Kind of up out of the way, but from what I understand, they distribute all across the state and outside of it behind. Um, If you are up in our area, I'd recommend looking up Colony Meadery. The third is Killarney Cider. They are also out of Pennsylvania, um, and they have a fairly broad distribution rate um they are they make this sparkling cider that oh my god it's so it's pricier than i wish it was but i cannot not buy it it's so good it comes in this big bottle and you get these little bits of apple still floating in it it's it's fantastic um but yeah that's my those are my recommendations drink some beer drink some cider drink some mead um if you have an independent brewery in your area go check them out it's it's usually a pretty good time but those are my recommendations brown's brewing killarney cider and colony meadery yeah yeah that's it um keep keep listening to the episode every episode we recap it (laughs) oh yes is there any like book that catches my eye this is going to be investigation there are a lot of books. Some of them are pretty old. Some of them look like they've been uh, handwritten. Some of them just look like a stack of papers just tucked together ever so neatly with uh, some rope around them. Fifteen. Fifteen. So you, going through this, find a couple of things. You pull up several books. Some seem a little interesting. Others are uh, the fine art of cheese divination. I'm not entirely certain how that could be useful. Did I just hear you right? Yes. <laughs> You're not certain how any of those could be useful, but if you really wanted to read it, you could. One of them does kind of catch your eye at the end. A small blue book. Uh, this large opal is embedded on the cover. And as you open it, you realize it's entirely in silver. Um, well, I, my languages are common elfish and German. Oh, never mind. <laughs> You're going to have to get Lulin to read it. <laughs> I can't speak silver. Speaks common and silver. There is what looks like a handwritten writing underneath the title Trudaic, actually. Oh, good. <laughs> the rough symbols that you've known seem to be a little different than everything you're used to, but the words themselves, the circle of the moon, kind of almost call out to you on that. Okay, I'm going to read that one. I figured as much. <laughs> no, never mind. I want to read the one on cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. <laughs> I take both of them. Okay. All right. Uh, Nemoc kind of uh, brushes over. Circle of the Boom. Yes, it's actually rather in- probably more useful for you than me. It might actually be able to help you on a couple of things. Uh, considering your Judaic nature, reminds me. You have the ability to turn into animals that you've encountered before, right? Yes. Uh, if you'd like, you can browse through my collection, pick out any interesting animals you haven't seen before, and let me know and I can let you grow attuned to them. Enough so that you probably would be able to transform into them. Okay. See me later about that. I do have some other details too. What about that giant kraken? <laughs> that might be a little bit too <laughs> difficult for you. 
It's actually about the size of an elephant uh, in reality. But it comes from a very tiny plane. It's, but uh, yes, if you would, uh, it would be nice to see you about that later. Uh, I came over here for something in particular. Ah, and he reaches up, grabbing a book with a black binding, gold kind of written across it in a big title. It just simply reads, A Life Worth Living. He pulls it off the shelf, uh, striding away, just as quickly as he appeared. Cecilia! Yes? I see you're growing rather fond of that book. Uh, learn anything in particular from it? As he gestures to the uh, Life's a Lich. <laughs> Life's a Lich. <laughs> yes, actually, I've been working with this uh, Speak with the Dead spell. It's very interesting. Uh, yes, yes. I have heard it allow you to uh, communicate with those gone by. And zombies aren't great conversationalists. I'll just put it simply. Accurate. <laughs> but there was something else that I wanted you to look at. Uh, a book that I've had myself over here. He sets uh, the small black book that he just picked up down. This, although the opposite of certain necrotic magics, might be useful for you as well. It details a couple of points about minor healing. So if ever needed, potentially you might be able to assist in that. Hmm. It has its drawbacks, though. Can't particularly be used on the dead or the dying, but the living, I could keep them alive a little longer. Just mm. a suggestion, and I think you'd get along with the author's personality. Well, if I don't mind if I do, and I'll just yank it. <laughs> of course, yes. Is there anything, like, unique about the book in particular? Nothing about the book in particular, other than it seems very well kept, uh couple of the pages you see look kind of wine-stained, or someone spilled something on there. And it almost looks like it was handwritten, and then halfway through, someone decided they would have somebody else write it for them. (laughs) Perfect. But you have another book? Does it have a a name on the book? A Life Worth Living. Okay, thank you. Right. I'll be in the, I guess you could call it the armory for the moment. We'll have dinner at, uh, say, uh, right, you don't really have a time frame here. I'll make a bell chime or something. <laughs> uh, and with that, he steps out. Woo-hoo. So, a short while later, after all of you have done things, uh, Ishaya, Nemok appears again, this time carrying something in his hands. A large, hollow metal lantern. These dark flaps that look almost like a small tinned roof kind of echo down and several smaller chains holding up. Look like wind chimes around it. Right. This is it. Supposedly, it can draw out and contain a soul if necessary, if the soul's not bound to anything. I think originally it was designed to catch uh, ghosts and other such things and confine them to this, but its purposes have been modified. If you're ready, Ashaya, we can work with this. Ready as I'll ever be. I think the only thing you'll need to do is, well, reach out and touch the... I assume it's a crystal uh, in the center right there. He gestures to the... Thin glass like texture. Again, just touch it. I'll give you some privacy. This might be something you'd like to do alone. Alright. So I'll I'll take this lantern, you said? Yep. Okay. I'll take this lantern over to I don't know, I guess the room that I've been staying in. And I'm right. gonna touch it. <laughs> Boop. This sensation, not unlike when you've drained the life out of certain things rushes into you, only it feels in reverse. But in some way, it's calming from your hands and around the parts of you that are raw aether. Small jets of flame seem to rush forth and then 
almost be drawn into the lantern itself. And this fog that has been in the back of your mind for the longest time, this cloud, ever since you could remember your first time planeswalking, seems to lift as this voice, this thought, very clearly strikes past your head. Ishaya, where are we? Jalan, is that you? Ishaya? Yeah. Yes, I think. What happened? Where are we? The last the last thing I remember, the, the consulate, where, what? Well, How, you, you might be dead, but I... I, I just, I, are, are you? Is this hell? I'm not dead. Okay. And it might be hell for us. I mean, you'll see when you meet, uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, okay, alright, alright, uh, okay, I, okay, you know, I, I want to have a panic attack or I want to scream, but uh, at the same time I feel like I can't really scream to the outside world. Uh, I'm not entirely certain about this, but I don't think I have a mouth. But I, you must scream. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might be hyperventilating, but I don't have lungs. What's going on? Okay. Well, uh, oh, have you wh- seen Black Mirror? It, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I still enjoy burning things, but 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 I I I I, I I'm gonna need a moment. Okay, this is this is this is different. Shia, take your time. Are we safe? Uh, I I think so. Can you tell me what happened? Well, um, actually, as as you yeah. set this lantern down on the table, your hand drawing away from it again, and what catches your eye, almost a thin silver chain extending from the lantern to your own arm. Uh, You don't really pay any mind to it. It's been a long time, and a lot has happened. Your friend is waiting, and you have quite the story to tell. Classic. Classic (laughs) Ishaya. And classic Ishaya style. We'll close the book on that for the moment. A while later for all of you. Is there anything else that you want to do other than, you know, look at the library? Obviously, reading through, looking over plans for stuff. There's, Lulin probably would have made whatever sketches he was going to on the uh, on the ship, and then he'd have headed down to the new rooms. All right, there is one on the left and one on the right. See what the one on the right is first. As you creak open this door, I'm gonna need you really quick. What is your? I guess passive dex would be best for this. Passive dexterity or passive. Yes. Well, unless you want to make a dexterity saving throw, it's up to you. My passive dexterity save is 17. Okay, yeah, more than enough. As you open this door, you kind of feel like you get sucked in just a little bit, but you manage to catch yourself, and before you is something you honestly weren't really prepared to see in one of these rooms. It's massive. This is... I was not prepared to see this. Oh my god. This is massive. (laughs) Back on your home world there would be hangars for the construction of skyships. This almost looks like one of those, but far more advanced. Different levels, metal platforms. There are a variety of tools. There's a rack of different things. Materials already in a corner. Mirror on standby. Some sitting there doing individual things, playing cards. And most of all, this massive hook hanging from the ceiling. A large metal frame sitting there. And inside of it, a glass beacon with the silver ball Nemok took gently resting inside, knowing that it contains a unignited spark. This is the hangar, and where all of the construction is going to be done. Alright. He's just looking at it. Like, there's nothing to do here. It's I'm just gonna do perception. Go for it. Anything besides the facilities for construction. 
13. You notice there's a large work table on the one side. Uh, there are a couple of unusual objects on top of it. There's a slightly different looking mirror. It looks a little singed in some places. It looks almost like black powder burns on him. And beside him, some other uh, equipment. And a large barrel. As you step towards the mirror, kind of jitters, looking over to you. Its eyes are different. Normally, mirror have eyes on the sides of their heads, these thin hollow discs. But this one, those seem to be missing. Instead, two almost look like haphazardly attached goggles sit on the front of it, on its beak. Uh, the goggles on this mirror almost look haphazardly attached, and uh, there's some other random scraps that seem to be there. One of them uh, looks almost like a small metal flower jetting out of the side of one. <laughs> oh, you, you startled me, startled me. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh... Sorry, jitter, jittery since... Jittery since the explosions, I'm sorry. No, probably the rest of them stay quiet. I, I like to talk ever since, you know, self-adaptation, all that stuff. I was I was put in charge of make, making these things. <laughs> uh, it's just great stuff, you know, it blows up things. That's maybe a little bit nerv little ner nervous, nervous tick, you know. It's, 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 it's kind of the way. Lost the eyes and said, these are better. Let's, for the sake of things, see how many you've done so far. He's going to pull out his pistol mm -hmm. and take... Uh, unit of, of powder. The barrel beside you, as the mirror undoes the top, is full to the brim. Thin piece of glass seems to be keeping all but a small portion of it from going up whenever it's open. So he uh, he takes out a little bit. He is there? Are there any like small objects that can be sacrificed for the sake of science? The mirror points to what looks like a target, small target dummy. It was kind of hidden from the sight beforehand. <laughs> 24. You take a second, line up a shot, and in a beautiful execution of this, fire this round directly into the bullseye. Oh, very good, very good. Better than what I've done. Shaky hands. Oh, good to know. Looks like the powder's in good shape. Yes, yes. Next step, mass producing. It was industrious before, but hands now shaking. You've uh, worked out storage? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, completely dry, frictionless. It's very good. So, uh, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who am I not? Don't really have name. Uh, just, just voice thing. was useful for discussion, especially because now I can't really communicate with others effectively. Too many explosions. I was put in charge of this. I was put, put, put in charge of this. Hmm. And this is, this is definitely a mirror. This is a mirror through and through, although very heavily self-modified. So. It looks a lot like Nemok. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> like his dad. Aww. We're gonna we're gonna need to go up one letter, he's gonna be Nemok. Mirmok. Mirmok. Alright. Uh so you're one of Nemok's creations then, alright? Uh yes. Somewhat. He didn't personally make me, but he made the mirror that made the mirror that made me, yes, and was assigned to this by him. Uh, saw you before. Uh, he handed a flask of black powder to me. Oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> Very interesting. Yes, yes. And how have you found your new circumstances? Interesting. Chaotic. Interesting. Not unenjoyable. Uh, I have a haphazardness to stay away from fire and loud noises, but other than that, been fun. Yeah. Yes, well. yes. With this, it's, it's not hard to 
Ignore loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, other than my work. Other than no, work. Other than work. Other than work. Yes, 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 yes. Big plans. Me want to figure out a way to manufacture this. Mass produce. Thousands. Hundreds of thousands. Make big things. Giant barrels just like this, wrapped in dark steel. Thin lines that allow them to separate. Ignition. Boom! Right. So. Other minor things. Right, right, right. You might be interested, though. Other concepts. Black powder with application towards spells. Focus. Uh, spell catapult, All like right. catapult, but shoots burning black powder at things. Again, time limited, got sent up here, just waiting for orders now. All right, uh, it's, at the very least, it's a promising start. Yes, 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 most certainly. Can't <laughs> wait. Uh, right, uh, I I will be here. I should probably get back into my research whenever I can. Uh, let me know when you've got something new to work on, or I'll be happy to test it on, <laughs> test it with you. And this loud kind of, it sounds like someone trying to reenact the sound of a bell ringing, but doing a very poor job at it. <laughs> Echoes through. Dinner's clearly ready. Ah! <laughs> Loud noises. Was not ready. Was not ready. Excuse me for a moment. Need to, need to go to shelter. And he ducks down below the what almost seemed like a stool he was sitting on. And was now sitting underneath the uh, workbench. <laughs> Sorry! Speak later! Loud noises. Not good. Okay. <laughs> Uh, mirror with PTSD. Cool. <laughs> um, uh, okay. I stay safe, and he'll check out the other door. Uh, so as you open to the other door, this one does not catch you by surprise. Previously, when you witnessed Nemok putting away some of the artifacts, you saw the vault, a place where Nemok puts certain prized possessions. As you open up this door behind what looks like thick steel with little yellow wisps that wrap around the beams and what looks like an obnoxiously thick glass is the vault that you saw earlier. But it's bigger. There seems to be a second level up above. You can't really make out too much uh, without a good look. Mm. Do you want to? Yes. Perception check? Roll perception. 20. You... See a couple of things, some of the things you recognize from taking there. Something that you do notice, sitting up top, there is a new display for what look like, almost like the sword that you have, the Sword of War and Peace sitting there, seem to be ever so gingerly floating on these pedestals. And above it, another set for what looks like five other swords that could fit there, but seems to be vacant for the moment. So naturally, the thing we have to do is hold all of these swords simultaneously. <laughs> Like, get my general Grievous on and just... <laughs> <laughs> All ten, though? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, another thing that catches you... I have feet. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, our whole crew, each yeah. of us holds, like, two. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe one of us has one in our mouth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Those are the two rooms, I take it? Those are the two rooms. The dinner bell did ring, which means Nemok is ready to have everyone sitting around for dinner. And for the moment, though... He did say that anything that he could give you at the end would be yours if you want. There seem to be a lot of valuable things in here. <laughs> Nymphia, is there anything you want to do? Well, I mean, I've just been reading this book. Uh, so, the book that you have been... We'll move to you now, as you've found a nice, quiet corner. It's not the forest of your home, but the bookshelves seem to be a nice substitute for trees, and the chair is comfortable enough. Looked like it was made from an uprooted stump that had fallen over... It's actually quite comfortable. The book, as you read through it, it speaks in a couple of things about the different phases of the moon and 
in the history of those that worshipped it. But one thing seems to set you aside a little bit. It's written and talking about your home in a manner that's different. Things that were peaceful before, things that were violent before, seem to be switched. And the topics in it seem to switch in the same way, as if the same person writing it also wrote about their world in a completely different perspective. Whether or not that really means anything, or if it's just some crazy druid who was writing about this. But one thing does seem to speak out to you. It seems to talk about how the Judaic powers and the raw energy you can draw from nature revolve around the lunar cycles. Not just from your world, but potentially from any world. You might need to study it more to really find anything there, but it's only been a short while before this long, clanging sound, almost like someone trying to replicate the sound of a bell, echoes through, and you're brought out of your concentration of reading. Ishaya, down to the floors below, you've mm-hmm. had a moment to reconnect with your long-lost and now newly acquainted friend, find out a couple of things, realize that she feels the same sensations you feel, and learn just a little bit about what the vessel now holding her has done. Mm-hmm. Can I tell if other people can hear her, or is it just me that can hear her? From what you understand, it's just you. It's like a, another thought being spoken into your head from this thing. Okay. Not only that, but the lantern itself seems to be able to shrink and grow as she deems it. Uh, small enough that you can fit it around as almost like a necklace. It looks fabulous, though. She agrees. So she has some of my personality now, too, right? <laughs> oh, no. No, she she was always the person who was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you do not look good in that purple. I don't care how regal it looks, not for you. Clashes with the blue of your aether. Come on! Ishaya. Yes. You realize you can manipulate this lantern to turn about to the size of a, a pendant or a necklace. It does look good on you. Unlike that <laughs> horrible purple. Ugh. You don't work purple because of that. You learn a little bit more about how to control some certain things, but for the most part, you're just taking the first tentative steps into this. But it's a good feeling. Your friend is there again, and although they can't voice their opinions out loud, and you'll have to communicate that to everyone else for you, their moment of this realization and the shared adventures, it's just good to be ready. So she's witnessed like everything we've done so far? Or you, I've just caught her. Ah, sorry, caught her up. her up with it, and some things she <laughs> remembers, some things that you didn't remember. But for the most part, you've caught her up with everything that's happened up until this point, even the embarrassing things that she made you tell. But this loud, terrible clanging, as if someone's attempting to make the sound of a bell, echoes through. It's just a mirror like hitting its head over and over. <laughs> oh no, it's not. No. All right, Cecilia. While you're delicately reading into this book, and looking through the uh, pages of the other one, it's quite a story, although you can tell that you and the author would have been great friends and drinking buddies had they not been been killed in a terrible fashion. But nonetheless... It's a good way to go out, though, I feel like. Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Pitchforks and everything. Oh, perfect. Nonetheless, you've had your quiet moment. You enjoy this. You wish you could get more wine. And as a matter of fact, almost as if... By pure coincidence, Amir did bring you one. It's not quite as good as the other one that you've had. But nonetheless, it's it's still all right. Yeah. I feel like I'd be buzzed enough by this point to not really care. You don't really care. Okay, good. <laughs> Unfortunately, this loud, terrible clanging sound disrupts you from your paradise away from the living for a moment. Oh. As you recall, Nemox said, it's probably time for dinner. 
<sighs> I'll head down, I guess. <laughs> As you step Since in... Since I've already been disrupted and disturbed, I guess I'll go eat. <laughs> <laughs> As you step into this room, the table's full of food. Nemox sitting on one end, gorging himself as always. Saying Fia's already started to. <laughs> Alright. Ishai is just sitting there smelling things, seeming to pause for a moment, almost as if he's talking to himself. Think- I hear Jalan uh, saying, wow, this smells amazing. Can you please gorge on this? <laughs> you have and a I mouth. tell her, I don't have a mouth. What do you want me to do? <laughs> this is a side effect you did not expect. So I just start who... rubbing food on my face. <laughs> There's a pause. Here you go. Nemok looks at you, mouth a drip with what looks like a jam, before dismissing it with, "I don't really want to know anymore, but I'm hungry." Uh, so, sorry. So, now that everyone's here, I'd like to bring this up. I do have the first assignment that I'd like for you to do. I need some very specific components in order to be able to assemble the ship, so to speak, either for the reactor or the engine. I will be sending you to a plane I don't think any of you have been to. It's called Alaria. Or Alara, some people call it. Uh, It depends where you are. But uh, for the most part, uh, the list contains a couple of different objects. Erythium, you might need to trade or barter for that. Uh, Nyan Lumber. That will be used to... It's rather sturdy. It'll be used to construct uh, some of the major superstructure. Uh, and last but not least, uh, unfortunately, you will have to go to Jund, Savage Volcanic Land, uh, to collect some Serenite crystals. Uh, you're missing one other thing. Uh, yes? A crew. Ships are well and good, but if no one's flying it, then it's just flotsam. Uh, well, you have a very valid point. I was actually hoping if you could do me the utmost favor of keeping an eye out for that. Uh, no one on Mirrodin is really big sailors, and I'm not particularly the one myself, although I know the mechanical functions of this. I was hoping you could take over for that. You seem to have at least an eye for them. I, I was actually looking for someone who would be able to find well, people who could pilot this. Uh, do you happen to know any good places where you could find pilots for airships? Uh, I happen to know a few people, actually. <laughs> Thank you for walking with us on Plane Shift. We're glad you took the time. The intro and outro is Perpetuum Mobile by the Penguin Cafe Orchestra. The music during the podcast is sourced from The Witcher 3 and Zelda Reorchestrated. Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons are both property Wizards of the Coast. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd really appreciate you taking the time to spread the word. You can leave us a rate or review on iTunes or on Facebook, or you can just tell your friends. We like sharing this thing we've created with new people, and every little bit helps. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to planeshiftpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at PlaneShiftCast or on Facebook on the PlaneShift page. We'd love to hear from you. Until our paths cross again. Execute order 69. <laughs> <laughs>
see, but you did. I have three other orders after 66. <laughs> <laughs> the really difficult part was coming up with orders 67 and 68. <laughs> <laughs> 69 was the easiest order. <laughs> I had that planned for a long time. This person posted. Bro, so I had court today, and the judge asked this man who drove him because his license is suspended, and he replied, my bitch, with a straight face. <laughs> then after a long silence, he said, oh, my bad. My bitch, your honor. <laughs> Akio, fuck off. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't seem to find one of them. <laughs> Nor can I find any of my friends. I really like the Akio fuck off because it's like, come here, fuck off. <laughs> anyway. Aww. What about your puppies? I mean, your dogs, not your. Never mind. Dogs are puppies, <laughs> Keon. Yeah. I was gonna say, your dogs, not your uh, boobs. <laughs> How about them puppies? Am I right? These puppies. Hey. <laughs> We're talking about that. She, she saw a Dalmatian puppy and went, "Oh, Dalmatian!" And then she looked at the price for Dalmatian puppies, like twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> no. I don't want a hundred and one of them. <laughs> oh my God, that much. Yes. You, That's Canadian, I, though. That's Canadian. Can I talk you down about a thousand dollars? Is there a discount if I buy in bulk? <laughs> I, will I buy need all like. Of I need like. A little bit more than a hundred Dalmatians. <laughs> Not quite a hundred and two. hundred and one? You're just about there. <laughs> yeah. I about, think we could make that work. Yeah. What about, what about, I, I do a hundred and one and I throw in an itty bitty Dalmatian puppy. Mm. What? I, I love that, that uh, comic somebody made of like Darth Vader choking the stormtrooper and like he's oh, choking yes. him out. The, the he's like harder, like, daddy. harder daddy. He's like, what? He's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> okay. But... Oh, God. <laughs> giving you a literal list. So, this is a list of the components. This is the amount that we'll need in the quantities. Uh, do forgive me, I'm not really great at uh, describing the exact way things will fit. You'll need, uh, what is this, 15 trees of nine lumber. Uh, at least... It's a precise unit of measure, by the right. way. One tree. At least five golems worth of rhythm. Show up with, like, A bonsai twigs. tree. Yes. <laughs> there you go. At least five golems worth of rhythm. Uh, and a small Who's dragon's horde of serenite crystal. Who's making these units <laughs> It makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> Twelve furlongs of... <laughs> sorry, sorry. One <laughs> cubit. <laughs> what, what even is a cubit anyway? Oi! Very Moses of you. What is this god? <laughs> you want a cubit? What's a cubit? What's a cubit? <laughs> Alright, the length of your elbow to your fist. Moses, stop questioning your god and just get the cubits. <laughs> get yeah. the cubits! But your arm's longer than my arm, so what's a real cubit anyway? <laughs>